welcome to the MILF Bod Podcast. Mindful, intuitive, lifestyle, fitness. An all-encompassing wellness resource for women featuring some of the most successful, influential mothers and experts out there. I'm your host, Cherokee Luker, mother, model, fitness trainer, and wellness enthusiast. Join me as we dive into all things MILF. Happy MILF Monday, y'all. Today's guest is someone who is very aligned with this brand, and I feel extremely grateful to have gotten the chance to sit down and talk with her about all things fitness, wellness, and motherhood. Megan Roop is the founder of the Sculpt Society, which is the number one sculpt and dance cardio workout designed to empower women through movement. Megan trains clientele such as Elsa Hosk, Miranda Kerr, Carly Kloss, and Jasmine Tukes, just to name a few. In this episode, we talk about listening to your intuition and finding workouts that work best for you, the transparency around pregnancy and postpartum struggles, the importance of taking care of yourself so you can be better for those around you, Megan's lifestyle non-negotiables, and so much more. So everyone, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Megan Roop. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule. I totally understand. And I'm just going to preface this interview with, (laughs) I honestly might sound like a creep and a stalker because I feel like I know so much about you and your life because we ended up getting pregnant at the same time. Yes. And at that time I was like, okay, I need to get on it and just start following every single pregnant person right now just so that way I can get all of the tips because we were pregnant during the pandemic. And so it kind of helped us not to feel so alone. And so I feel like I went on (laughs) your pregnancy journey with you essentially. So I feel like I know a lot about you, but I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience for anyone who doesn't know you and just give us a little background on your story. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you for following along my journey. I I mean, I put it out into the world. That's not weird that you know about it. (laughs) So if you don't know me, my name's Megan Roop. I'm the founder of the Sculpt Society and the Sculpt Society blends really simplified fun dance cardio and low impact full body sculpting. And my mission is really to empower women through movement and really just show them the freedom on the other side of how good movement really can be when you find something that you really enjoy. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. And I feel like it's such a journey and it's a lot of trial and error of figuring out what works best for you. So I know that you started out dancing. You've been dancing your whole entire life and you were a dancer for the Nets. And so you've built this amazing platform that is the Sculpt Society, but like it, it hasn't been easy. It's been a journey. So will you tell us a little bit about that journey and what it looked like for you? Yeah. It's funny. I think if people find me now, it kind of looks like an overnight success and it's been really so long in the making and so much hard work. And so, yeah, I grew up dancing 
And then I went to school for dance and was really trying to figure out my way in the dance world. And at the time, I was honestly in my early 20s, really struggling with body image and my relationship with food. And I think if you're a woman, you can really understand on some level of the spectrum. I feel like definitely most of us have gone through some journey with, with their relationship with their body and with food. And so I was really trying to figure all of that out. I remember vividly being at Crunch Fitness, like on a treadmill you know, running and hating every second of it and just struggling, right? To figure out how to move my body in a way that didn't feel like torture. And so Mm -hmm. I was at the time auditioning for dance work. And then I started teaching fitness as a side hustle and really discovered dance-based fitness and how fun it was. And it was the first time that I could see like movement really being a part of my life in a positive way. Yeah. And so that for me in tandem with doing a lot of internal work and really working on myself and the conversations I had with myself and so the belief important. system I had, yeah, about my body and just, you know, that work combined with finding a way of moving that felt fun was such a powerful moment for me in my early 20s. And so fitness was really just starting to fill my cup up in a way that professional dance, while that was amazing for me, I was able to really work with women on a daily basis and see the impact I was able to have with them in their life in a positive way. And I really just saw a path forward for myself and the longevity of fitness. And so I really wanted to create space in boutique fitness. I felt like living in New York, boutique fitness is really cutthroat. And I wanted to create a class that felt really welcoming and warm and for everyone at any level to come in and feel really successful in a dance-based fitness class. I felt like I was frustrated for a lot of my clients or or anyone who was coming into a dance-based fitness setting where it felt like you had to be a dancer to do this type of sculpting and, and dance cardio. And so I really wanted to create a class that felt different, felt simplified. It brought in all of the different elements that I loved from our former Pilates and yoga and sculpt and dance cardio all into one and was really allowing women to work out under an hour, right? Mm -hmm. Don't need to be working out for hours a day. Let's get in an efficient, effective workout that was fun and enjoyable. And again, that everyone could leave feeling successful in. And so the Sculpt Society was born in 2017 in New York really built that community from the ground up. Your first baby. (laughs) My first baby, yes. And then I launched the Sculpt Society app in November of 2018. What an incredible story and journey. And it exudes so much in all of your videos and all of your content that it's like something that you're truly so, so passionate about. And I feel like dance-based fitness can be a little bit intimidating sometimes, especially if you don't have a dance background. But I feel like with your workouts, it's not intimidating at all. Like you said, it's like so warm and inviting and fun. And it's just like, you're there to have a good time, but you're also simultaneously getting an amazing workout, which is so awesome. And like, it's such a niche space that you've created. So I applaud you for that you can tell that you just love it so much, which is, I'm sure feels so great to be able to be doing something that you love on a daily basis while empowering other women and helping them. I feel honestly so lucky. I think I feel really aligned in my purpose once I started doing the Sculpt Society and Uh, getting to just do, like you said, what I love. 
there's just something about like turning the music on and teaching that just fills me up in such a big way. And so that means so much that you feel that on screen because I really, truly feel that. Yeah. So you've cultivated this like amazing clientele over the years. And how have you done that? Like, how have you tapped into this type of clientele? Like, who was your first kind of big? I guess, celebrity or model, like who would you say kind of like changed the game for you? I think word of mouth is so powerful. People forget that. Yes. You don't need to have hundreds or millions of followers. It really is to me about word of mouth. And so making sure, first of all, like everyone that came into the studios that I was teaching out of in New York mm-hmm. felt that from me. I wanted them to have like the best experience. And so I think just from that, like word of mouth spread. And in New York, there were a lot of models coming to my class. I also would reach out to a lot of people. So smart. Yeah. The two biggest clients to me that like made people started to be like, oh my gosh, she's training her is first something maybe Ariel Charnas. Yeah. That was another word of mouth client. And she just was so wonderful to work with and wanted just to dance and she wanted to have fun. And she put that up on her Instagram in the early days. And she's just been such a big support system. And I think I can look back and really pinpoint that she was such a big part of those early days and just more eyeballs on what I was doing. Yeah. Another word of mouth client was Elsa Hosk. Love her. Yeah. The year I started working with her, she was wearing the fantasy bra with Victoria's Secret. Perfect. And so, you know, again, just such a hard worker, so amazing to work with and just so supportive within my own career. And I think those two, when I look back on those early days of the Sculpt Society were such big moments for me and also just amazing humans and so supportive. Yeah. I love both of those women. Elsa and I shared a midwife. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But I have yet to meet her, but she seems just like such an amazing human. And it's so funny that actually you and I have never met in person because I'm almost certain that we're neighbors. Are we? I'm pretty sure we are. But we have a mutual friend, Tasha Franken, who kind of like introduced us through text, which love her so much. Because I see Harlow all the time at the playground. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And her and Hunter end up playing sometimes. So, yeah, we'll have to set up a play date sometime. She's so cute, by the way. Like, I cannot handle her little curls. I'm obsessed. (laughs) Yeah, she's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. And her personality seems great, too. So how did you guys decide to make the move from New York to LA? And what's that transition been like for you? Yeah. So I moved around a lot as a kid, Mm -hmm. but I ended up going to high school in Santa Barbara and that's where my parents still live. And now both my sisters. So I always knew I wanted to be closer to family. It's not like I knew LA was the city for me, but I felt like that was the closest city we could move to. And so I never knew like when the timing was right. New York, you know, I'd been there for so long. I was there for 15 years. I think year two of the pandemic, I had just gotten married. We just gotten pregnant. And I felt yeah. like it just felt like the time, you know, I felt like if we were going to make the move, it was, it was then. So we've been here for about a year and a half. And I think, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's been really hard. I think there was a lot of newness when we moved. It was like new city. I was eight and a half months pregnant. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. You know, and so also LA was shut down for so much longer than I feel like other parts of the country. We were shut down to like January of this year. Yeah. Yep. 
So I also just feel like in general, people weren't socializing in groups like they are now. And so I think it's going to start to happen. I think it's just making new adult friends takes time. Definitely. Um, and I think back to like my time in New York, it took me a few years to feel at home in New York. And so yeah, it just is going to take time. And yeah, just patience. And I think also being a mom now, I think it honestly helps a little bit making adult friends just because you're able to bond over the fact that you have a child. But yeah, I can relate to that a lot. Like moving to LA as an adult is, it's tough trying to make a good solid group of friends. And I feel like just now I've been here for five years now. And just now I feel like I finally have like a solid group of friends, but it's a lot for sure. I think it does take about five years. Definitely. I was just back in New York though. And I will say New York is like a bad ex-boyfriend where we like went back and it was like 75 and like beautiful out. And I was like, oh, why are you, why are you so amazing? I (laughs) I like had to like remind myself that it's cold in New York. (laughs) I know. I love this time of year in New York. I'm from Maine originally. So I grew up Mm. in Maine. And so having the changing of the seasons is something that I really, really miss. And there's just something about New York in the fall. Oh, it's the best. I know. I know. So how did you and Morgan meet and how long have you guys been together? We met on Hinge, which is an app online. Cool. Awesome. And honestly, it's been a long time. It's been eight years. Wow. And yeah, we met in New York and I had been online dating for a while before I met him. So I was like a little jaded. You know, when I met him, I was like, okay, we have great chemistry. We've got great conversation, but like, I don't know how many people he's dating. And like, you know, the New York dating scene can be really tough. And so yeah. I put like low expectations, but he just did not play any games and just really kept following up and planning, which was really refreshing. And fast forward eight years later, we've been married for two years and um, yeah, it's been great. Wow. That's amazing. And I feel like just following you on social media, I feel like your guys' relationship is so strong and it seems like such a perfect balance and it's like super supportive. So So he joined my team. Oh, perfect. We work together too. So he's my COO. He's just such a good person. He's from the Midwest. I'm like the big dreamer and he's just like so grounded and, and kind of brings me back down to earth sometimes when I need it. Yeah. You guys balance each other out. Really balances each other out and, you know, just such a great dad. And I am honestly the luckiest person to have him. Oh, that's so sweet. So were you guys trying to get pregnant or was it just a quarantine baby collaboration? No, we were trying. Oh. Yeah, we were trying. Honestly, what happened was our wedding date, because it was 2020, kept getting moved back and forth because the laws in in California kept changing based on like how big your group could be. And so we had a couple of venues like cancel on us and like it kept getting pushed forward and back and forward and back. And so we had originally planned to start trying in the fall. And so we had decided, regardless of our wedding date, we were going to start to try in September. And then our wedding date finally got finalized for October. But we luckily fell pregnant in September. So I actually was six weeks pregnant at our wedding. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's amazing. So it was a nice little surprise for, for the family. But I mean, they weren't that surprised because they knew we would probably start trying soon. So Yeah. So technically she was there with you guys when you got married. Yeah, she was. 
I love that. Yeah. And it's so funny because I, the same exact year as you, got pregnant in September. And this is going to sound creepy, but I remember you saying something about Harlow's due date. And her due date, I'm pretty sure, was June 4th. Yeah. And Hunter's was June 5th. That was his due date. But he didn't come until the 13th of June. Little boy, he wanted to stay in there. You really are like so close. Yes. I feel like they're like kindred spirits and the H names. And I'm just like, they need to be friends. But yeah, I remember you saying that your due date was the 4th of June. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So talk to us a little bit about your pregnancy because I was trying to find it before our talk right now. And I remember you posting something about just like the transparency around kind of resisting pregnancy. And I remember seeing that while I was pregnant and I just related so much to it because I was feeling the exact same way. And for you to like come out and speak about it was just so powerful and it resonated so much with me. And I don't remember exactly what the post said, but I just remember you talking about, you know, like pregnancy is supposed to be this amazing, beautiful thing. And, you know, honestly, I'm having some struggles with it. So can you talk to everyone about what you were feeling and like how your pregnancy went? Yeah, I had these like grand expectations that I was going to just be glowing the whole time and that I mm-hmm. would love my body. And I think, like you said, I really struggled with that time. I think I was frustrated because it brought up a lot of my old feelings that I was having towards my body. And I thought, yeah. I was like, wait a second, like I've dealt with this. Like I've been through that journey. I've like made changes. Like why am I feeling some of these negative thoughts towards my body again? Mm-hmm. And so, That was frustrating to me. And I think it just kind of made me really have to go back into my toolbox and really get quiet with myself again and just really make sure that my internal dialogue was in check and that making sure that like those small things, like the stories that I'm telling myself about my body, like making sure like we did that work. I knew my body was going to change and grow, right? Like, of course I'm growing a human, but Again, I think just feeling frustrated that I was feeling that way. And and also, to be honest, I felt guilty for these feelings because I had so many friends and family members who had gone through fertility issues, fertility loss. And part of me was like, you need to love this part of your life because you know, you're know you so lucky that you are pregnant. And so I think as yeah. I started to talk about it with friends and with family, the more I talked about it, I think on social, the more women I think actually felt relieved that they weren't the only ones feeling this way. And that this perceived notion that we like need to love pregnancy, you know, isn't the reality for everyone. And that it's okay that you you don't necessarily love this time, but you're still, of course, super grateful. Yeah. So I think it was a combination of all of those things. And then postpartum, I mean, I'm sure you can relate, was a complete whirlwind. You know, I was really active throughout my pregnancy and mm-hmm. and you go through birth, which is wild. And then postpartum recovery can feel very isolating and lonely. And, yes. you know, even with all of the information I had around postpartum recovery in your pelvic floor, like I felt angry for all of my postpartum mamas out there who didn't have that information about what they should be doing and the system not setting themselves up for success. You know, I'm thinking about my six week checkup, my doctor saying, okay, you can go back to regular exercise, have sex. Like, what? Like, 
my mind was blown. It's insane. I think a positive part for me around pregnancy and postpartum was taking that time to educate my community, to provide content and programs for pre and postnatal, to provide pelvic floor exercises and a pelvic floor and core recovery program for women to, to really you know, be set up for success after they've gone through birth and there's so much noise around you and you don't know where to even turn to. And so that was a positive aspect, I think, around all of that. Definitely. And I think through the struggles, we're able to kind of come out stronger on the other side. And I think that by you coming out and sharing that you were resistant during some of your pregnancy was so powerful. And I feel like it resonated with so many women because two of the biggest words that I use to describe postpartum or even pregnancy sometimes is loneliness and isolation. Those are the two biggest emotions that I definitely felt. And to just know that other women are feeling the same way and you're not feeling alone, it's so important. And then, like you said, we're not educated on the recovery of what we're supposed to be doing. And the fact that, yeah, you go into your six-week checkup and they're just like, yep, okay, you're good to go. And it's like, no, your body needs so much time to heal. And They're not going into detail about, I mean, luckily I had a little bit of a different experience because I had a midwife who educated me on all of that, which was great. But like you said, I can relate feeling frustrated for the other women out there not having those resources. So I love that you created a postpartum specific program, right? On the Sculpt Society? I have two programs. I've got a pelvic floor and core recovery program, which you can do once you go to the hospital. It's really breath work and just tapping back into your pelvic floor and your core. And then once you're cleared to work out at six to eight weeks by your doctor, Mm -hmm. I have a postpartum program, like workout program that you can start to do. And and I filmed all of this while I was going through it myself. So I think there's also something nice just to see another woman who is in that very vulnerable postpartum state age, right? Things are feeling and looking different. And so it was important for me to like put that on video because, you know, I think when you're in that stage, someone with a six pack is like super fit. That's not motivating. It's like, I need someone who else who's going through it myself. Yeah. And that's what I love so much about you and your content is that it's just so raw and vulnerable and real and relatable. And I think that that's why people gravitate towards you so much because you're showing what the truth is. And you're also providing such a great program that people can implement into their lives that's realistic. And thank you so much for sharing all of that. I appreciate it so much because it was nice being able to follow other moms. But yeah, I think social media in general can just be this glamorized, it's smoke and mirrors, honestly. It, It truly, truly is. And so sometimes comparing can get you know, in your head a little bit. But yeah, so did you struggle with any postpartum depression or anxiety or anything? I didn't. I actually, by the way, if you are listening and you are going through this yourself, you can look at my profile. I have all of my pregnancy and postpartum, a lot of my like raw stories still up there. So I think sometimes it's nice to like see someone going through it. I didn't, but I had a pretty emotional time. Harlow wouldn't latch when we were trying to breastfeed. And so I had some really tough moments emotionally because we went through, I mean, 
multiple lactation consultants. Like it was pretty awful. I was using a nipple shield. She would latch doing that, but then she wasn't getting enough milk. And so then I started exclusively pumping and then I wasn't making enough milk. So I had to supplement with formula. And again, like my rational brain now is like, okay, yeah, no big deal. You're going to supplement with formula. You're doing your best. But when you're in it and you're a new when mom, you're in it. <laughs> it was like the end of the world. And you have, you know, of course, all of these hormones are rushing through. Yeah, I think it was just such um, an overwhelming time. And to add that in and not to feel like I wasn't doing or making enough milk and she wouldn't latch. It was just really, really tough. And so yeah. I can only imagine the added layer of postpartum depression or anxiety in a time like that. I actually really feel for anyone that's going through that. And I think it's so important that if you are going through that, you talk to your doctor and you you really just take time for yourself. I think there's so much focus on the baby in that, mm-hmm. that new mom stage, but as the mom, your mental health is so important and you need to take care of yourself because fed is best. A happy mom is so important. And I think we end up being the last person to be taken care of in those situations, but we're really the most important. (laughs) Yes. And that's a big message that I want to spread on this podcast is like, you cannot be pouring from an empty cup. And so to implement all of these things, like being mindful, listening to your intuition, all of your lifestyle practices, and then of course, fitness on top of all of that, like you need to be giving to yourself so that way you can be the best you can for your baby, for your partner. And it's just super, super important. And I had a very similar experience with breastfeeding. And it's just something that I feel like is not talked about a lot. No. For me, it was extremely like mentally draining as well because I would get so down on myself to say if I wasn't producing enough. And also I got very extremely like OCD about like his schedule of when I had to feed him. And it's just so much that goes into it that I feel like isn't talked about a lot. So yeah, I had a very similar experience with breastfeeding. It was difficult, but luckily did not suffer from any depression or anxiety. So what's interesting too, is I feel like alongside any breastfeeding choices that you make, I also feel like it's, it's um, not talked about if you are going through postpartum depression or anxiety. I think it's starting, people are starting to talk about it, but so many women do suffer from that. And I think it needs to be normalized because it's such a lonely, isolating feeling. So on top of that, if you're going through it and no one else is going through it and you're like, wait, like, am I the only one going through such, you know, a hard time that can feel even more overwhelming. So anyway, I think it's so nice that that conversations like this are being had. Yeah, me too. And that's really what I'm hoping to do more of on this show. So I'm going to move into the acronym MILF. So what do you do to stay mindful? You know, lately for me, I've been really trying to scroll less on Instagram and social media. And that has been a way for me to fill myself up and to be more mindful and present Mm -hmm. because there is something so numbing about scrolling all the time. (laughs) Yes. I also think movement is my movie meditation. So movement is a way for me to be mindful. Yeah. That's great. That's such a great tip is just stop scrolling because it's true. It, It literally numbs you. Like sometimes I'll be scrolling and like my eyes will glaze over and I'm just like, what am I doing? Wasting all of this time. I could be doing something so much more productive. Totally. Next, how do you listen to your intuition? And 
I know like from watching a lot of your stories and things like that, I think your diet is very intuitive. So I practice kind of the same thing when it comes to my diet. And this can be with anything like from motherhood to your diet, listening to your intuition. So how do you do that? I think it's just taking like a pause and a moment before things, a breath. It can be really simple. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. Talk about numbing. You're going through our days. It's so busy. It's so full. And sometimes we actually don't like take a moment, whether it is eating or I don't know, even making a decision, right? Like, does this decision feel good? Is this actually what I want to do? And so I think it's, it just comes from a little bit of a pause and a slowdown, which is really hard for me to do. (laughs) But I think with intuitive eating, that's become a built-in practice for me. It's like simplifying how we approach food and really like, am I hungry? Am I full? What foods are making me feel good and energized? And just kind of bringing it back to that. There's no magic diet or no magic way of moving. Movement can be intuitive as well. Like what movement feels good for you and your body? Totally. Totally. I think it leaks into all of the aspects of your life. Just listening to your gut feeling and your heart and what your body needs and just being able to provide what it needs when it needs it, whether that be, you know, a rest day or going extra hard or, you know, I think it's so important to just, like you said, pause, think about what you actually want and then go from there. So next is what are your lifestyle non-negotiables? Like, what does your day-to-day kind of look like? And what are some things that help you yeah. be the best version of you? For me, over the years of just kind of living more of like that like wellness life is actually like taking things back and not overly complicating the things that we have to do. Like simplifying. Yeah, simplifying. Like, does it have to be like journal, you know, meditate? Like all of these things sometimes can feel overwhelming. So I think totally. simplifying it a little bit. I know the things that are non-negotiable for me, like five to six days a week, I'm moving my body because I know I feel more grounded, more like myself in my body once I've moved my body. Getting outside and going for a walk, really simple, but that's something during like the pandemic, getting outside and going for a walk is so important. So good, right? Um, Sunshine on your face, so good. Even just for me as of late, it's like I can be booked back to back of Zoom calls and meetings and marketing initiatives that we're working on and just all the things. And I think just carving out time in my day to sit down and have lunch, right? Like not be at a computer at a screen, like working all of the time. And something I'm working on is like building in more play in my life. Like, yeah, I love that. So much of the time I'm like in a work zone. And I think just remembering to be creative and be playful and kind of tap back into that side of myself is really important too. Yeah. And I think Harlow and Hunter, because they're the same age, I think they're at such a fun age right now where you're able to implement that more. And it kind of just brings you back to being a child again. So I love that tip. That's such a good one. And then, of course, the last thing is fitness. I don't know what your fitness routine looks like on a day-to-day basis, but I'm yeah, I'm sure it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually another thing that the pandemic really allowed me to do is to slow down that. And I think, you know, pre-pandemic I was teaching 6 days a week. I was doing multiple privates a day and I was running myself into the ground. And I think one thing that the pandemic showed me was that because I was only going live on my app, that was all mm-hmm. I had. And really the power of 
quick, efficient workouts. And so, you know, either I'm going live on my app or I have maybe one private on the days that I don't have either. I'll throw on a quick video. I'll do a quickie. Usually they're 10 minutes. Sometimes they're 20. They're not long. And I actually think just being consistent with short workouts has been the most effective way of moving. I've never felt better. Yep. Me too. Yeah. I think people think they need to be doing hours of exercise a day and they really don't. And it's about consistently showing up and it's about enjoying the movement. And so I have this mantra that's commit to less so that you can show up more. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know where to begin with my workouts or I'm feeling overwhelmed, commit to less. I've got entire programs around quick workouts. So my quickie programs, it's literally like all I'm having you do is commit to 10 minute videos once a day. And that's really powerful. That goes into the rest of your day. Yeah. It goes a long way. Consistency is key for sure. And it's nice to have something quick and efficient like that, especially for moms and yes. you know people on the go all the time. So that's super important and it's good to know that, <laughs> you know, that has worked out better for you is just like, you know, something quick and efficient rather than spending hours yeah. of your day. Because also that's not sustainable, you know? No, not at all. Your workouts do not need to be hours a day. They don't even need to be. Yeah. Free. Every day doesn't need to be a 45 minute workout. Every day doesn't even need to no. be 30. Like you can mix and match depending on how you're feeling. And if it's well-programmed, I'm telling you, you can get amazing results with quick, efficient workouts. Amazing. So one last question that I want to ask you that I ask every guest at the end of each episode is if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you say to little Megan? <laughs> oh, I have so much to tell her. I know. She would never believe um, this is where <laughs> her life would lead her. But um, I think for me, knowing that my timing was coming and that to continue to lean into the things that you love, continue to work hard and just Mm -hmm. trust that everything will fall into place. My timing will happen and to be present and enjoy what is now. That is beautiful. And I think that people can apply that to their everyday lives now. I mean, I need that advice now. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Same. Don't we all? Yeah, we're all like (laughs) pushing forward. And I think sometimes it's like slowing down and just appreciating what is and what is around you and just being grateful for what you have in each moment. Yeah, that's beautiful. I got to get that tattooed somewhere so I can (laughs) just have it as a daily reminder because it is hard sometimes. Can you tell the audience where they can find you, find the Sculpt Society and your personal page, of course, and all the things? Yes, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Megan Roop and at the Sculpt Society. And then if you want to try a free seven days on the Sculpt Society app, you can go to thesculptsociety.com where we have over 400 workouts live on demand from beginner to advanced, like everything. So, so much fun. Wow. 400. That's amazing. I add every single week. (laughs) You are busy. Wow. That's incredible. Megan, I appreciate you taking the time and we'll definitely have to set up a play date for Hunter and Harlow one of these days (laughs) or get coffee or something. I would love that. I hope you have an amazing week and yeah, we will talk very soon. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. Thank you all for listening to the show. 
I hope you gained some insight on how to practice becoming more mindful, learn the importance of listening to your intuition, gained some lifestyle takeaways and fitness tips. You can find me on Instagram at Cherokee Luker and the podcast at MILF Bod Pod. So make sure you follow me to access exclusive content to help you become a better you, a better mother, and a better human. Talk to you guys next week about all things MILF.